Um, greetings once again from San Diego, and it's a great honor to share with you. And um, currently not pastoring, uh, resigned from a church that I planted, pastored for 22 years um, earlier, well, in early 2023. Um, right now, we're focused on caring for my wife's parents, so we can't really leave the area. There's been calls that have been given, but uh, we're just patiently um, uh, in a holding pattern, uh, you might say, and um, enjoying new grandchildren being born. And before I get started, just I, I know we're praying for revival, but um, currently my son's in the hospital with uh, something that's not diagnosed. He's 23. He's in Arizona, Phoenix. Graduated at 16, super sharp guy, called to the ministry, served as an intern at his church, um, was leading the young adults, and something happened last week that's unexplainable, and so they're running a lot of tests, um, and so Calvin, we all love Calvin, I think, Calvin's works and all that, but um, if we can just include Calvin later when we do pray, I'd really appreciate it. It'd mean a lot to, to our family. Well, brethren, I, I just, I'm going to bring a, a brief devotional from just one verse that I think uh, speaks to a lot. And, and really, um, I think last time I kind of geared it towards revival, um, but these are general principles, and I entitled it, We Must Persevere in Prayer. And, you know, I, I can't remember who it was um, that said, you know, you want revival the first thing you do is you draw a circle around yourself and get on your knees. And really it begins like uh, Stephen had just said inside of us. And so, um, you know, we need to examine ourselves and you, you all are to be commended because here you are at a prayer meeting. Martin Lloyd Jones said, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. <clears throat> and that our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of our prayer life. It is more important than knowledge and understanding. Many of us maintain, you know, uh, prayer, but, the, you know, on some level, but the intensity of that varies, you know, until a crisis comes. And I can tell you in the last week, dealing with our son and um, our daughter-in-law, um, you know, all of this, our family's prayer, you know, time together has gone up immensely. It shouldn't take a crisis. We should want to be emulate uh, Joseph Eileen, who arose 4 a.m. every day in prayer, and George Mueller, who arose at 2 a.m. to pray every day, uh, you know, at least moving towards that. Um, in Pilgrim's Progress, after the battle with Apollyon, Christians going through the valley of the shadow of death and halfway through the valley, the path narrows, you, you'll recall it, I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, the ditch on the one side and the quagmire on the other, and he comes to the mouth of hell and all of the most dreadful places, and it says the flames and the smoke would come out in such abundance that sparks and hideous noises and these fearful eruptions seemed quite unmoved concerning Christian sword, as had been the case with Apollyon before. So the trem trembling pilgrim found it necessary to resort to another weapon called all prayer. 
And so Ephesians 6 is where we're going to be, and we're going to look at verse 18, which is the conclusion of that, um, you know, our armor, the armor of God that we put on. And I'll read the passage. <clears throat> With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So that all prayer, I, did, I personally don't think that's one of the um, pieces of armor per se, but Bunyan apparently did because he he, he references it here, but uh, Bunyan's not inspired. <laughs> So I want to look at, there's four alls in this passage. I want to look at just five um, specific emphasis that come from this text. And the first is this, seek to pray and varied prayers and varied circumstances. What do I mean by that? Well, this is like a public prayer meeting, but it's important that we also have private prayer. Sometimes our prayer may be more mellow, other times more intense. Sometimes it may be quiet whispers. Other times it's loud cries like the psalmist. But I, O oh Lord, have cried out to you for help. And in the morning, my prayer comes to you. <clears throat> Scripture doesn't give us, thou shalt close your eyes and get on your knees. We see Solomon getting on his knees. We see men standing and praying. Um, organized times of prayer, spontaneous times of prayer. And the important thing to remember is the hymn says, Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ask too much. And as this group well knows, and, and uh, Stephen as well, it's, it's that understanding that fueled each revival. It was men that were committed to pray for great things. Think of William Carey, the great missionary. You know, great things, because we serve a great God. Secondly, pray at all times consistently. Um, the Hebrews would have certain prescribed times of prayer throughout the day, of course. And the new covenant brought a new dynamic to prayer. In Luke 21, it says, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are about to take place. Luke records that the early church had a practice of praying continually. Even in our worship service, um, well-ordered churches that we need more of, a prayer of invocation at the beginning, begging God to meet with his people in a special way, a prayer of confession of our sin, a prayer of re reminding us of the assurance of pardon that we have, a pastoral prayer for the needs of the kingdom all abroad, all around the world, and then even for each saint within that service, a prayer to dedicate the tithes that would go and fund missions. The, our worship services need to be filled with prayer. And all too often, you know, in modern churches, not many, I don't think, that are on sermon audio, but, uh, you know, it's a brief little prayer, and it's kind of like, hey, buddy, will you bless us? And that is wrong. We need to bring a healthy fear of God and a dependence upon him. Colossians 3.2, to set our minds on things above, not on the things of the, this earth. We need more God-dependence and less self-dependence. We need to pray consistently 
It's never out of place. There's no circumstance in your life where it's an inappropriate time to pray, whether a time of blessing, rejoicing for blessings, new grandchildren, all of the blessings he brings, or a time of trial. Family prayer is important. Men need to be challenged and encouraged in that. Thirdly, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is to pray in the name of Christ according to the will of God, to pray in concert with the Spirit and the Spirit, inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit, through whom we have confidence access to the Father. Even earlier in this epistle, and through him, we both have access to one Spirit and one Father. We Christians um, need to pray to the Father prompted by the Spirit. Even as it says in Romans 8, we're familiar with this, even when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses and intercedes with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit reminds us of the very character of God, all of his glorious attributes, helps us to see our sin, that we would confess it and keep short accounts with God and with each other. The Spirit reminds us that we've received that spirit of adoption. Thirdly, to be on the alert in prayer, and or sorry, fourthly, <laughs> the alert with prayer and perseverance. And the word that's used here is to be alertly concerned about, to look after, to care for. That's BDAG's uh, definition, um, the Greek lexicon. And then with perseverance, this Greek word occurs only here. It's a firm persistence in an undertaking or circumstance or having a careful devotion. The implication is that we're to be on the alert for all things in our family, in our church, uh, things going on in our culture, and to come earnestly to the Lord in prayer. Even as Christ would use that very term to be on the alert, it has that eschatological implication, doesn't it? That he is coming, and we can just, we can become so lethargic that everything will continue as the same. I believe it says in Peter, where is the promise of his coming? He's coming, brethren, and we need to be ready, and we need to look with that eschatological hope. This is good and edifying. Jesus tells the, the, the story of the widow in Luke 18 that she kept coming and coming and coming and finally gets the protection she wanted, so we must be persistent and persevere in our prayer. And fifthly, out of this text, um, petition for all the saints. This is biblical churchmanship 101, that we're not just there as a consumer, but we're coming to actually intercede on behalf of others, eyes off of self, on the Lord, but then to esteem one another as more important than ourselves. A proud people are so consumed with self, they pray unselfishly. We are to intercede on behalf of one another and that's actually what Paul, in verse 19 and 20, I won't read it for the sake of time, and pray that on my behalf that utterance may be given to me, that in opening my mouth and so on. With God, there is no partiality. We are to pray for all the saints. We're to pray for the persecuted church. We're to pray for Christians suffering even right now in Ukraine and Palestine, Israel. We're to be concerned for our brethren that are around the world. And this does not mean that we do not pray for ourselves, because back to where we began, revival begins within ourselves. And so to pray 
that we could cultivate a holiness, a healthy fear of God, that we might be useful in this world. So in conclusion, I want to commend you all for being in this prayer meeting. It's been convicting that I have been unable to attend as often as I would like. But do we pray often? Are we only coming corporately to pray? Just some application questions. Jesus' counsel is wise to go into your closet and pray, right from the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to commend to you, if you have the works of Thomas Brooks in Volume 2, there's a, a wonderful work that I'm reading right now. It's called The Preview Key of Heaven, 20 Arguments for Closet Prayer. They are each one. I read just one a couple times a week. I'll, I'll read one and meditate and chew on it. It's, there's a lot of depth there. <clears throat> but ultimately, and I want to leave us with this thought, ultimately, God's favor upon us does not depend on our, on our prayer life or anything else that we do in the Christian life. Christ's righteousness has been imputed to us if we are truly born-again Christians. We have been cleansed for all time, once and for all. And if we're really transformed, we should long for more communion with God and to be more useful in this world. Amen.